This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. So, Mark, uh, thank you for uh, you know inviting me down to your, your studio and everything. How, our, how you our doing? Palatial, <laughs> yeah, your palatial studio, extensive <laughs> studios that aren't full of crap and way too small. Yep, yep. So, Mark, you were uh, you were on. Uh, I would say almost two years ago now. So it's gonna be three years actually in May that we've been doing this kind of uh, you know this, this kind was, of a hobby. I think I was one of the first. 10. You you were you yeah. were you definitely were. Um, and and we we appreciated your your blunt you know opinion. So um so first uh, for the for the audience that uh, didn't go back to the first ten, um you know give a little synopsis of uh, who you are, what you do, and yeah. uh, you know everything like that. So uh, my name's Mark Lassoff, and in addition to being adorable, <laughs> I um, grew up in Connecticut. I'm a Connecticut guy. I grew up in Trumbull and, and Westport, uh, Staples High School, class of 92, go Wreckers. And, you know, when you're 18 and live in Westport, Connecticut, you know, you think that's the worst place on earth, so you go as far away as you can. Well, everybody thinks that Connecticut's like the worst place to live, right? Well, this was 1992, and, you know, I don't remember what, what, where we were in the boom-bust cycle then, but, you know, just you grow, you have that, that teenage angst of, you know, oh, there's nothing to do here, and, you know, all this money, it's terrible, and, yeah. you know, God having beaches and, you know, things. Who wants that? So I, you know, I, I went away to the college that was furthest away that would let me in, and that was the University of Texas at Austin, where yep. I was a computer science guy and finished up in about 1995 which was the beginning of everything and I was in Austin right place right time and worked in tech and startups and entrepreneurship there finally left after some successes and many many failures um, left there in 2009 we had a summer in Austin where it was 100 degrees for 60 days in a row and in day 60 I put my condo in the market and 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 did the did the famous you know screw this and yeah I want a little more colder weather is that what you want for <laughs> big guys in hot weather don't go well together let's <laughs> let's just say that you know I, I would I would sweat cutting a bagel um, so put the condo on the market and on Columbus Day I, I filled up the the station wagon and drove in one shot from uh, Austin back to uh, Oof, back to that's got to be like well like 21, 21 hours or so. It was, well, I don't know. I mean, by the uh, by the afternoon, by the time I was in like Pennsylvania, I was stopping to throw up from caffeine poisoning because you know you're not supposed to have six five hour energies. No, I thought that would give me thirty <laughs> hours of energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah just keep me up for the next three days. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was so I, I arrived and the first thing that happened, I arrived um, when I was actually moving was was uh, the night before Halloween or mischief night. Yeah. So I arrived and I was I I'd rented a nice place in, in Black Rock. Um, first thing is my I'm literally pulling into the driveway of my new house and 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 uh, my car got egged. Literally like eggs in the car. Like, I'm welcome like, back immediately. Like welcome back. The next day I had to go to like D.C. to teach a class. So I was like sleeping there and then catching the train. But uh, <clears throat> it felt good to be home and, and it was a good decision. I, you know I I'm someone who really enjoys this area of the country, the seasons, the beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the options for entertainment within a couple of hours. You know, I went to some 19-inning Yankees game 
Friday night with the lost horribly. You know, yeah. you know. But, you know, I mean, having the opportunity to do stuff like that and sleep in your own bed is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it seems like you're a Yankees fan, but we'll leave that aside. Well, but. yeah, I mean, I, I do live in the Yankees fan part of the state, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, below the dividing line. But I, I, growing up, you know, in Trumbull and Westport, you're really part of that New York ecosphere. Well, you're, you're basically in New York, right? You Like a lot of people in Fairfield County think they're, right. they live in New York. I mean, you guys get Channel, what, 12 or News 12 or something right, we, like that? We, yeah, we, <laughs> we, get, we get the News 12, which now is based in New Jersey, by the way. So, but, uh, yeah, you know, I grew up with, with Tom Appleby, and it was kind of cool because, like, you know, you'd go, you'd see him on the news, and then on Saturday morning you'd see him at Starbucks. You know, it was, I mean, it was, it was so local. I was actually on there a bunch of times for, like, wrestling. They actually cover high school wrestling. That's how local it is. And, it and, and so you were a wrestler, or you were just in the in the the stands? <laughs> no, I was I okay. Was, I was I was a wrestler. I wrestled okay. for Staples, and I wrestled for uh, the legendary Nick Garofalo, who uh, is still coaching. He must be in his mid sixties okay. or later, and he's still coaching now in Fairfield. So right. he's he's wrestled for him and. Uh, really, I mean, actually, that's part of the community that I still feel like I have yeah. here. I run into our old assistant coach all the time, um, you know, still friends. So, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for growing up you know, or living where you have roots as a kid. Yep. You know, I mean, I think it makes a big difference. Well, at least, you know, you went away, you did your thing, but you come back, right? And, you you know, you try to uh, – now, I mean, you're, you're, you're in a role right now where you're trying to make the ecosystem better. You know, you're trying to be a mentor. You're trying to, you know, um, kind of bring uh, everybody up, you know, the rising yeah. tide kind yeah, of I mean, thing. I, w- so. I went away. That's yeah. that's that's that's, that's <laughs> not more. No, I mean, I I did what I think everyone should do for a while, and let's try something different, live mm-hmm. somewhere else. I'm not, you know, I I think though, I don't remember who said this to me now, but you know, I was talking about this the other day. I have this conversation six, seven times a day. It's not that kids are going away when they're 18 or 22, because that's what they're supposed to do. It's that they're not yeah. going back when they're. 28 and 30 and have the kids yeah i mean we're i mean i'm, I'm about to turn 30 and like i'm not you know my you generation don't look, anyway you don't look a day over 45 so <laughs> i appreciate it you know maybe that, the long hair farming, and the goatee and everything yeah, yeah. exactly but uh but uh it, it's like i mean we're having kids later and, and the whole thing yeah. so even if we're coming back at 35 it's still a good thing right i mean connecticut does have a problem where everybody's leaving you know the baby boomers they're leaving they're going down to florida but the but, whole the whole traditional thinking on that right is that is that you know, at 18 or 22, whatever, you move to an urban area, you move to New York, you move to Austin, Boston, and then you have the kids, and then you want to get out of the urban area. But the de-urbanization of Gen X and Gen Y is certainly a lot less pronounced yeah. than, than it has been in the past. So we're not seeing people move back to the suburbs. And I think because, you know, as we've said, it's not just the millennials who want those urban services, no. public transportation, convenience you know, it's it's. I think it's 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 everybody now. You know, the urban urban appeal is 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 now much beyond the millennials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll have to say is that I've watched way too many uh, zombie movies to even want to live in a uh, uh, city. I just don't. You know, <laughs> I'm if something happens, I'm stuck. All right. Yeah, like, I, don't watch, <laughs> I don't watch scary films because they scare me. But uh, every time I think of like zombie movies, it's always like running across some farmer's field and you know eating the. Far- it's always like it's always a farmer. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll say yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all be inside, not in a field, all right? Right. Yeah. But um, so so uh, let's get into a little bit about your role in the ecosystem because you know when I first met you, um, you were you were um, you were the mentor. You're the guy that comes in to kind of give the harsh realities of uh, versus some other types the, of the mentors Simon, and everything. The yeah, Simon the Simon Cowell, Cowell. Of, of, of mentorship. <laughs> I, I was, I was, you know, I was 
mentored by people who provided tough love. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, a, the mentor's role is not to be a cheerleader. It's to hold up a mirror and help you see things about your business and yourself that you have blind spots to. More of a coach, right? Like you're, you're, you're pushing that person. I don't, I don't no? like the coaching metaphor. Okay. Right? Because the coach, right, the, the goal is always to win. Sometimes as, as, as a mentor, the goal is to tell you to lose quick. Okay. Like the, is it, you mean like the fail fast kind of a thing? Yeah, or? Same, same type of idea, okay. right? Uh, if, if you're a talented 22-year-old kid and you're just moving in and, 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 and beating a dead horse, a business that's just not going to work, and, and you know, it's time for someone to hold the mirror and help you realize that mm-hmm. so you don't waste another three years when you, you could take your talent to something that is going to work. So, I mean, a coach, you know, is, is, is different. And I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, like, the whole coaching industry. I think they're, like, you know, undertrained social workers. But, you know, I, I think that as, as a mentor, and, and whether that's a long-term or short-term mentorship relationship, you know, your role is really to hold up the mirror. And one of the problems we have here in Connecticut, we'll just get right into it, is that we confuse service providers with mentors. We confuse investors with mentors. You know, an attorney can't an attorney who's looking for business mm-hmm. can't be a true mentor because they have an ulterior motive and that they want their business, your business, and that may not be what's best for you or your growth. Same mm-hmm. thing, you know, we have a bunch of people who work in IP and patents who want, who are mentors. Well, they're great providing information about that, but ultimately they want to prosecute your patent and put money in their pocket. Yeah. That may not be what's best for your business. Now, can you separate that? I mean, there, there has to be... There, there are people who can, but I haven't found, out, I haven't found many who do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's even been justified to me as it's a good thing because you know, it's teaching sales and entrepreneurship, which to me sounds like baloney. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's, it's, uh, there was a guy who did inbound marketing who was active in the ecosystem for, and the answer to everything was like, you know, inbound marketing, you know, you know, we, we have no CEO, inbound marketing. Our product sucks, inbound, inbound marketing. marketing, you know, the house is on fire, <laughs> inbound marketing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was so, I mean, and, 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 you know, he had, he had bought into a, System for inbound marketing. Yeah, he he had bought into a system for inbound marketing, and you know that's that was you know when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know, in other ecosystems, mentors are the been there, done that guys, and frankly, we're lose. We've lost more good mentors over the last few years Mm -hmm. than we've gained. You know, I mean, some people who uh, will remain nameless have have moved away. Yep, moved completely to, to. Pittsburgh and the West Coast and, you know, people who were experienced mentors who went through the entire cycle of, of founding to, to, to exit. Now, did they leave, be- in your opinion, because you, you know some of these guys better than uh, than I do, but did they leave because of the fact that they were just kind of sick of the, the ecosystem here? Or was it because they had they, they were entrepreneurs at heart, too, and they had opportunities where they wanted to pursue those I mean, opportunities? The, the stories that I know, I mean, it, it's always complicated. You know, there's spouses involved. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the, there's a woman involved. It's always, you know, that's always going to get so Or a husband. Well, exactly. That's the same thing. Yeah. You know, Janice Collins, my friend who... Uh, who started a great uh, accelerator for women in Westport is now living in Boston, and for her it was I, th- I think you know is it was about having more entrepreneurial action. Yeah, you know I mean other people you know it's a combination. I mean I had never heard anybody where the entrepreneurial the maturity of the ecosystem the problems in the ecosystem here in Connecticut weren't at least part of mm-hmm. the reason to move. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess, you know, you, you had just uh, put out a Medium article that, you know, uh, right when I first saw it, I shared it, to, you know, to everybody because it's, again, it's a breath of fresh air to hear it from, you know, the real, you know, this is what's wrong, this is what's happening, or this is my, at least my point of view on it. But get a little bit into kind of the, um, you know, the gist of that article because you kind of, no, nah, I wouldn't say put the ecosystem on blast, but you did say like, we have vanity metrics that we're, we're chasing mm -hmm. after. We have these entrepreneurs. We have, mm -hmm. you know, so talk a little bit about that and like why you even decided that you, you felt the need to do that and put well, that article I think out there. I think it starts with like what we know about healthy entrepreneurial ecosystems, right? You know, if we look at there's plenty of examples now of even cities that were in, you know, deep dog do that are now, you know, have a flourishing entrepreneurial ecosystem. I think Pittsburgh. Well, well, yeah, Pittsburgh. And uh, what was the what was the company that just said that something like come to Pittsburgh because uh, you can actually own a house here, uh, get outside of Silicon Valley. I forgot what uh, what one, but they were just like putting Silicon Valley on blast. Said, listen, yeah. you can be a, you can be a, a coder in Pittsburgh and be have a lot more money in your pocket at the end of oh, the day. Yes, I mean, Silicon, <laughs> Valley, Silicon Valley, San Francisco has its own set of problems. Yeah. I mean, when your city is now priced so high that your city's teachers and nurses and the people who keep the city running, right, yeah. you know, have to live, you know, two and a half hours away. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. You've got a different set of problems. Mm -hmm. I, I, was, I saw something about these mega commuters in San Francisco, and these were generally pretty well-paid professionals. Yeah. You know, one was a, was a, a, a nurse. You know, nurse, nurse, nurse makes good money. Yeah. You know, and she was a single mom. And in order to have like a nice school and, and, and you know, the nice things for her son and they have a house and she commuted two and a half hours each way to her nursing shifts. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I mean, couldn't and, imagine that. I mean, and, I mean yeah. and, and, and nurses can get a job anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. But but, you know, in order to she was, you know, some type of surgical nurse, some type of specialty. So, yeah. she, so she commuted two but and a half hours. But granted out there, just half of it is just, you know, sitting in traffic probably. She actually <laughs> took the train. It was a true two and a half hour commute. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least she can sleep. You know? So but that's the opposite so, yeah. of the spectrum, yeah. right? I mean, too much entrepreneurial activity. I don't say too much, but uh, the, the tech entrepreneurs out there just uh, – raised the price of everything housing being the yeah. we're now a one-bedroom apartment i think in san francisco is now 1.2 million on average yeah so so, that's so, so, so i mean but look at what that what that's good for us is you know we've still got affordability right you can still find here uh, an apartment to rent for a thousand bucks a month that, yeah. that, that that you'd want to live in yeah you know. I mean, for a million dollars, I can buy a few houses in Connecticut. Like, well, depends where, but well, yeah. legitimately, you can buy you know a yeah. few houses, and it's actually funny. I was a uh, I was at the dentist last time. I was at the dentist. My uh, dental hygienist was, uh, you know, obviously they're always chatty Cathy's, and they're talking about this, and you know, catching up. And she was she was bragging to me about her son who uh, went to UConn, started a company, went out to Silicon Valley, raised this money, did this whole thing, and how he just bought a uh, seven hundred and fifty square foot condo. For I think six hundred thousand dollars, and she was just like, "Yeah, it's so great that he could do that." And I was just like, deal. "I know." I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I could not imagine spending that." No, it's first of all seven hundred fifty square feet with a fiance. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I live I, I live in a one bedroom condo in a downtown area in one of the coastal towns that I really like, and it's 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 kind of some of the more expensive because of the proximity to yep. the train and down. It's one of the more expensive properties, but it's ultimately very affordable. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and for me, it's about the security of, you know, knowing money will last, you know, till I die if I never yeah, work you're again. Yeah, you're secured. You know, you're, not, you're so, not. But, I mean, it's interesting 
I think, is we have that going for us, and the quality of life remains high here, and the education system remains good, and we have a high percentage of kids going to college. We have low teenage pregnancy. You know, we have yep. we have all the indicators of, of good you know, quality of life, and all the things I talked about earlier about entertainment options. I mean, if you're bored here, it's your own fault. Yeah. Of course, there's people sitting home tonight in New York City watching TV, you know, because they're bored. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, getting back to what what it makes a healthy ecosystem. You know, I think there's 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 a lot of factors that are involved, but you know, some of the tenants are it's it's open to everybody, it's inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have entrepreneurial leadership, which means that entrepreneurs, people who truly have been there and done that, take the lead and are moving things forward. You have strong university integration, not just participation, but pathways from university to commercialization and community. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think probably most important is just a general atmosphere that supports innovation and entrepreneurship as legitimate career choice. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, in some of our wealthier towns right now, parents are dreaming of their, you know, 11th graders are becoming entrepreneurs. Really? Well, well, I would say that maybe the parents aren't, but I feel like the kids, though, like, you know, it's kind of, I made the analogy the other day was that, um, you know, before, you know, back in, you know, when I was in high school, everybody wanted to be an uh, athlete, right? They wanted to be a superstar. They wanted to be, you know, famous. Whatever. But now it's almost like everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. So it's kind of like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I see that as much. Okay. When, I, when, I, when I talk to my colleagues and friends who have kids, I don't have any, um, you know, it's it's the dream seems to be professionals. You know, they want them, they want them to be professionals. They want them to be lawyers and and, and doctors or, or or finance folks. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the high status, high paid professions. I don't know if being an attorney is high status. Dave is in here, depending on who, right. who you ask. Um, you know, so I don't think Dave would say it's high status. No, I mean, you never know. I mean, honestly, he was even talking about it. He was like, he's like, I would, if I could do, if I had all the money in the world and I could do what I wanted, I'll do everything I'm doing now, but just wouldn't practice law. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. he's just like, I just right. wouldn't practice law. Right. Yeah, the, well, the, for him, I think the law is, is, a, uh, is a catalyst to allowing him to do some of the stuff he wants to do to help companies and yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. But anyway, so, I mean, you know, I think that's, I think those are the things that make a healthy ecosystem, okay. right? Um, and here, because there's a desperate, need and desire to spark innovative activity and entrepreneurial activity it's like you know we're trying so many things um that you know it it's becoming difficult to for an entrepreneur who wants to be in a leadership position and help the community to cut through that it's almost like you have to compete with this ecosystem that's been structured from the top down Mm -hmm. versus you know, having bottom-up efforts that are inclusive of all yeah. entrepreneurs. So, so I always think about, like, the Brad Feld's book, right? Startup Ecosystems, I yep, believe it was. Fan, yeah, right? yeah, yep. And, you know... In fact, one of his co-author reached out to me about the article. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, again, so so it's, it's hitting points not just in Connecticut, you know, it's hitting points in other places. And so in that book, it did seem as that, you know, obviously the government's always going to play a role in trying to, you know, spark innovation or provide resources. Right. But then on the other end you have to have the bubbling up of the entrepreneurs that are doing these events. And then it's kind of one thing where all the bottom up starts kind of uh, pushing more upwards than, than upwards is pushing downwards kind of a thing. So do you think that in Connecticut, we there's too much coming from, you know, the quasi-public, the, the public kind of uh, arena? I mean, I think, so, you know, if you look at the efforts of CI and, and um, 
CT next. I mean, I think it's a net positive. Yep. You know, I do. I mean, they, they certainly have given uh, CI, especially, have given a lot of companies seed money that wouldn't have had it ordinarily. Um, they provide a path for funding that mm-hmm. that doesn't exist almost anywhere else. Um, CT Next is trying, and I participate in some of the programs. Yeah, right? you've been a judge, right? Uh, I'm going to be judging the uh, EIAs on the 21st. Very cool. Um, in Westport, at the Westport <laughs> Maker Fair. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, you know, it's a net positive, but I think the fact that entrepreneurs don't step up puts it, leaves a leadership vacuum. So naturally, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, so something's going to fill it, and it's been that. And that means, that's why we have the wrong leaders, right? We have leaders who are in government positions trying to do economic development. The problem is with any entrepreneurship, you know, there has to be risk. And the cycles of government budgeting and funding are, are year by year. Mm-hmm. The cycles of community entrepreneurial and innovation growth are decade by decade. So we're trying to do something that takes decades and measuring progress year by year doesn't work out too well. Yeah. So they're looking for benchmarks and you know green shoots and things. And, and what happens is in order to justify the continued funding of different programs, we rely on vanity metrics because the actual actual metrics are too dispersed time-wise in order mm-hmm. for us to pay attention to them. So we start looking at things like how many people did you serve, not the quality of that service. Yeah, did any of those people actually go on to do something? Right. I mean, look, there's there's a, there's a entrepreneurial advisor in the ecosystem who will remain nameless who's constantly talking about how many people he's met with. And to me, that's like a who cares you know, what impact did it have? Well, since there's no measurable impact, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the vanity metric of how many people were served, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, I mean, sure, there's some validity to, you know, the more people who were served, you know, the more chances you're going to get. Law of numbers, right? Kind but, of you know, doing this like McDonald's is not, I think, the, necessarily the best model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we need to look beyond vanity metrics. I, I think, you know, funding raised is not is a vanity metric often. Okay. I think we need to be looking at revenue. Well, that's a big thing, right? You, you had mentioned uh, going back to the last time you were on, you said one of your mentors uh, from Austin was like he, he started the company. It was He owned it completely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he sold a product. He brought in revenue. And like that was the one thing I remember you saying was like, everybody stop thinking about raising capital. Just get revenue. You know, yeah. get a product and sell something. Sales solves <laughs> all problems and everything begins with a sale. Yep. You know, and I think there's such a hyper focus here in Connecticut on on funding versus growth via product growth, you know, I, I think that's it's it's really become hugely problematic because you have people focused on the wrong metrics. And and you know I'm I say this to a lot of be, you know new entrepreneurs, investors aren't your friend. Their business model's different than yours. They're trying to make money off you. So they like Well, they're trying to make money off one in 70 or one in 100 of you. So if that if if getting the one unicorn requires blowing up the other sixty nine yep. investments, they're happy to do that. So sometimes your business your, your your goals and the and the goals of the of the investor are different. They need you to blow up a hundred times, and maybe you could run a very nice medium sized. Eight to forty million dollar company, but because you took investment, right? The goalposts are moved yep. so far that 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 running an eight million dollar a year company, which will still make you rich, yes. and will still 
will still feed a number of families and have positive impact on the community is a failure. Well, yeah, and yeah, and so th- well, that's the thing too is that like what I've seen is that. Getting investment, right? You know, raising the money, bringing the capital, that seems to be a win, right, for the ecosystem. When money, you know, gets injected into a company, that kind of goes to like the vanity metrics of it, right? Is that all, um, a lot of these accelerators are just like, you know, we want you to raise money. Um, not all of them. Not all, I'm not, not no, no. But, but again, it, it's been changing, right? Because yeah. everybody, you know, um, some people say it's too hard to get capital and everything like that, but it's not, it, it's just as hard to get a, a, a customer and, you just that you have to do that anyways. You know, like you have to you have to um, go out there and actually talk to customers and sell something. Just like you'd have to go sell a VC on the product that you're selling them, right? Like you're selling them the product of your business. And so it's just it's just interesting that um, that what I what my experience is that the raised money is actually like again people. That's the metric that the state is kind of looking for. Is like how much money came in, how much money was invested in the state, you know, kind of. Well, thing. from a macro perspective, that makes sense, right? right? Okay. I think. I mean, I think that's 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 the correct thing for the state to be looking at as 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 a medium term metric, mm-hmm. right? Because aggregated, the more investment, the, the more you know, you're eventually going to have something blow up. Mm-hmm. For the individual entrepreneur, though. The deck is stacked against you, mm-hmm. and you move the goalposts further by taking investment. If you can make it work by bootstrapping, if you can make it work with your own investment, you know, I started learn to program with five thousand dollars, you know, and we've never taken any type of, um, we've never taken any type of investment. We've never sought it. Um, we've grown off of sales, and mm-hmm. we've contracted, you know, yeah, yeah. when 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 things didn't go well. <clears throat> I, th- I think if people were more focused on the sales and the product development, they'd be much further ahead. And, and you know, I mean, I think I, I think investment is for expansion, not for see. I don't I don't believe in seed funding. You know, if you can't really make, well, I, I mean, okay, let me say outside for of, certain types of businesses, right? For right okay, type, yeah. For SaaS businesses, I don't believe in seed funding. For biotech and that kind of thing, where there's huge upfront expenses, yeah, you need seed funding. But for a business like I'm doing here, make make another product and sell it. Go have a good month. Yeah, yeah. And people chasing after these, you know, I mean, I I used to laugh a little bit about, you know, things like, you know, $10,000 awards or now there's there's some some CT Next funded organization here in New Haven that's giving $1,000 awards to entrepreneurs. And and it's like, if I I want $1,000, that's a bad morning here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, the money is so little and, and we're fighting over it. And that's what, again, going back to the vanity metrics, what I think that's doing is we're promoting wantrepreneurship. We're not promoting entrepreneurship because we're not requiring risk. Mm -hmm. We're not requiring people be full-time entrepreneurs. And one of the things we absolutely positively know is that your chances of success as an entrepreneur are infinitesimal if you're not working in the business full-time. Yes. And you guys are full time entrepreneurs. Yeah, and I mean it's. Uh, I mean, me personally, I was talking to a, a group of uh, students the other day. Is that like, uh, for me, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur or you know have my own company, right? Mm-hmm. Start my start a business and everything like that. I was in another company. It, I was part of that company. Um, I helped it grow like from the beginning, but it wasn't mine, right? Like it wasn't right. like you know I didn't have a, a big ownership uh, stake in it. And for me, like with with aquaponic farming and everything, before I went to Reset Accelerator, I could have probably started it little by little, but then it just still would have been a hobby. There wasn't I had. 
for me, I had to quit. I had to go cold turkey, right? I had to say, listen, guys, I'll give you my two weeks, walked away from a, a nice paying job and security. You know, like if I stayed that job, I probably would have a house now and, you know, have the other stuff. And, um, but I had to do it because in my mind, I, I, knew, I knew myself, I was a little self-aware, I guess. If I didn't do that, then I couldn't, you know, be full-time. But also that was my investment that I put in, right? The, the few years of me paying for myself instead of, you know, well, you the business. You also don't make decisions the same way. Yep. If you're still pulling down, you know, $80,000 a year at Travelers. Yeah. You know, because the risk isn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I think, you know, one of the things that we really should look at more before we provide any type of funding, commitment, in-kind services, press to new entrepreneurs is how committed are they to this? And if they are not full-time working in the business, then their chance of, their chance of, of success is, 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 is infinitesimal. Why bother? Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the counter-argument there is, which you know, makes sense, is that well, some of them will transfer into it full-time when they're able. Well, th- then we need to wait for that event. We Create at least one job, your own. Yeah, yeah, yep. April 20th, uh, buy your tickets beforehand. Yep. Just You can Google search Connecticut Entrepreneur Awards. Um, Gateway Community College is the awards, and we'll have a, a celebration. We'll have a little, uh, we'll have some hors d'oeuvres beforehand, and then a uh, so little celebration afterwards should be a great event. And uh, of course, a quick plug for my company. It's the, it's the best $49 a month online coding boot camp you can find at learntoprogram.tv. All right, very cool. So again, you don't need, uh, you, you, if you want to learn how to uh, code everything, it's already online. It's already there, right? There are all the resources. Come, come see us. We've got in, instructor, pro, instructor programs start at $49 a month that will get you job ready, ready to create whatever you want to create online. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. Finally, we would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalima for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.